Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for those words. We thank you for who you are. God, I pray that we would follow you, that we would chase after you, and that we would know all you've done for us. God, help us to remember tonight what you've done for us. We love you, and in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, if you do not know me, my name is Luke, and I help out here sometimes at Thrive uh, to teach when Mike goes on vacation. So if you see him, tell him thank you for the opportunity for allowing you to hear me teach. But um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been in a series called The Wonder Years, Uh, wonder with an O, not wander. Um, But I'm probably going to use those words interchangeably tonight, so don't lose track. Wander, wonder, I honestly don't know. But uh, if you've been with us the past three weeks, we've talked about different stories in the Bible and what we are supposed to do in these horrible college and early adult years of wondering and wondering what are we going to do with our life. And tonight I want to kind of just take a step back and look at this entire issue or this entire problem of who we are as Christians wandering uh, and on this earth and what we are supposed to do. Because if you are honest, you are probably wandering a lot more than you are at rest, um, me included. So I've been thinking about my life uh, just the past 23 years that I've lived and all of the times that I felt like I was wandering and all of the times when I felt like, man, I am good. Today I feel good and I, am, I feel great. And if you made that ratio, I think it's about 99.9% wandering and 0.1% good. So I was trying to think, when was the first time that I actually experienced anxiety or wondering in my life? And it was in sixth grade. Uh, sixth grade was the first time I'd ever experienced anxiety. And that was because the next year at school, I was going to have to learn how to do a locker combination. And if you remember those first months in the new middle school or the new high school, whenever you first learned a locker combination, you had so much anxiety that you had to get to your next class in four minutes, and you had to do your locker combination, you had to remember your locker combination, and you had to grab your book and get to your next class. And that was probably a six-month span of worrying about the locker combination. And guess what? I figured it out. I got the locker, locker combination down. I remember it to this day. It was 33-13-3. It was the absolute easiest locker combination you could have got. I figured it out, and I was good. I mean, that day I felt amazing. I was like, I have wandered the streets for six months worried about this locker, and now I have figured it out. And I was content and fine for about a day. And then I was worried about the next thing in my life, which was freshman homecoming. Oh. Some of you guys know exactly what you have to dance in front of other human beings. You have to get asked or ask another human being to go to a dance with you. They'll think that you want to date them. Like, how are you supposed to get that done? And so I was worried about that. And you kind of guys see what I'm getting at this. Uh, you are worried or wondering for the next thing always. You are at peace. You are still and you are content for maybe a day until you are wondering or wandering again. And I don't know what to do with that sometimes. I have no idea why we're like that. You might, your parents will might say this word, you're just not content. You're just not content. You have to find contentment. Do you know what contentment is? My mom says that word five times a day. 
We don't know what to do. We're constantly wandering. But if you were honest or you think about this word wandering, uh, we don't really wander when it comes to like our physical needs. We're not really wanderers. So I have a story. I don't know if you guys have ever been lost, but uh, when you're lost, you, you kind of act like you're not lost on your car, and then you kind of like come out on the street, and you're like, I know the street. I was never lost. But there was one time that I was absolutely lost. I was five years old. I remember this. This is one of my first memories. I was at a basketball game in uh, the old Mogador gym. It was about the size of this stage. And uh, I was lost, and I was looking for my parents because the game had ended. And if you had not showed up to your parents when the game had ended, they were mad. So I saw there was about 15 seconds left. I better find my mom. It ended way too quick. And so I was looking around, and I'm this, I mean, I'm this tall now, but I was about this tall. And uh, you guys like that one. That hurts. And uh, I was about this tall, and I just remember seeing kneecaps. I was just looking at a sea of kneecaps. And I was like, I know exactly what my mom's kneecap looks like, so I'm good. Uh, She always wore light jeans, like a light blue, so I located her kneecap. I said, that's the one. I ran toward uh, the kneecap. I bear hugged it, and I had realized that I was hugging a tree trunk. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen my mom. I don't think any of you have. Duma might have seen her like once. But uh, my mom is 100 pounds, so she, uh, her, her leg's not this big. And I remember hugging it, and I'm like, Mom, what the heck? Why is your leg so big? And I looked up, and I saw a beard. And I was like, that's not my mom. It was some huge big dude was like, what's this kid hugging me for? And I went, ah, and screamed, and I took off. And, I mean, I was probably lost for maybe four minutes until my mom was like, Luke, we're over here, idiot. And I was like, all right. But it felt like an eternity, and in that sea of panic of looking around to find my mom, I was wondering this question, when is it going to end? And that's how we feel all the time when we're wandering. And we've got amazing wisdom the past three weeks about what to do when we're wandering, how to navigate through open and closed doors, how to follow Christ when we're not feeling it. But if you're honest, if you're wandering tonight in any aspect of your life, you want to know when is it going to end to end. So let's jump into the best book of the Bible, uh, the book of Luke. And uh, chapter 9, we're going to look at six verses tonight. And uh, we're going to see what Jesus has to say about the idea of wandering. So before I start, uh, it's just, a, I mean, it's six verses. It's Jesus talking to three different individuals. And before I start, I just kind of want to give a disclaimer. I mean, you guys come here, you're tired. 2020 was a rip. Everything's a mess right now. You're on break for like two weeks, so just chill and then back to the grind. And I want to encourage you guys tonight. I want to encourage you. I want to give you good news. Uh, But if you read this parable or this story, if you're already reading a little bit along, it's not really that good. Like, it's just not. It's kind of harsh. It's kind of mean. Jesus says some things that don't really make sense. And um, I just want to challenge you guys tonight to look at Jesus in his entirety. Because when we read the Bible, Jesus speaks to us specifically to our personality, it seems like a lot of the times. If you are a calm, gentle, quiet person, you go to the stories where Jesus is calm, and he loves you, and he's taking care of you, and he's sitting with you, and he's dwelling with you. Or if you're someone like me, and you're loud all the time, you go to stories where Jesus is flipping the money tables in the synagogue, and you're like, Jesus is power, and he's strong, and we kind of bend towards a certain aspect of Jesus, and I just want to challenge all of us, myself including, let's take all of Jesus, all of him. What is he? Who is he? Every part of his personality, and this is a story that if, I mean, if you're like me, you don't go to this story all the time. You don't go to Luke 9, 57 through 62 and go, man, I feel great now. 
This is one of those ones that it's kind of like you read it in your quiet time and you're like, I don't think that's for me. I think that was for the first century and you flip through it. But let's just look at all of Jesus tonight as just kind of a disclaimer as we jump in. So verse 57, I'm going to read a few verses and stop. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So tonight, if you're wondering, I want to look at three different people and try to resonate with one of these three people that are wanderers on this road. If you're like me, you read the Bible, and I kind of close my eyes, and I picture this road, and I see like a, like a tan kind of sidewalk. I don't even think they had sidewalks yet, but there's kind of a sidewalk, and there, Jesus is kind of walks like, you know how he walks. He's kind of walking, and just some kid runs up to him, and they heard about him, and they're like, I want to follow you too because I heard you're doing great things. And Jesus kind of just steps back, and he's like, no, you don't. And the kid's like, what? And Jesus is like, you don't, you don't want to follow me. And what he does in these next six verses, it almost seems like he's talking us out of following him. And I want to challenge you as a wanderer tonight, is, does it feel like God is trying to talk you out of following him sometimes? Man, we go to God and it's supposed to be simple, it's supposed to be easy, it's supposed to be peace. And the closer I get to God almost, it seems like he wants more from me. I remember the first time I got a job, I got my first paycheck, and uh, my parents came to me, and they're like, we're so glad that you got a paycheck, because now you can pay your bills. And I was like, no, no, you guys can still take care of those. It's okay. And uh, I'm just going to keep it. And I remember my bills were more than what I was making. So they had given me, given me my bills, and I was like, I thought getting a job was supposed to be a good thing. Like, I was supposed to get this money. And as silly as that analogy seems, that's how I feel with God sometimes, that the closer I get to him, the more it seems like he wants from me. And in this story, it seems like he wants a lot. So the first person that we're going to look at tonight is called the go-getter. Uh, this is definitely me. Of all these three people, this is the person that I resonate with the most. And even if you're not much of a go-getter, you're more of a sleeper. I think that that would be like the opposite of the go-getter, more of like a napper. Um, there has been moments in your life when you have put a stake in the ground and you have said, I am done. Or you're saying, I am finally starting this. And you get on these like, uh, I don't even know what they're called, like fads almost. I mean, I do this all the time. I'm like, I am never doing that again the rest of my life. And then I, I do it the next day. Or I go, tomorrow I am starting this and I am doing it all year. I mean, this, I mean, you don't want me to pull up my New Year's resolutions, but I mean, this is what we do this time of year. We're starting something or we're ending something. And this person that goes to Jesus to follow him is just like this. I will follow you wherever you go. We all do this with Jesus at some point. Maybe you did it when you first got saved. Maybe you do it once a week like me. Maybe you do it uh, a little less frequently like Easter or when the worship's good or when the baptism service. But we hit our knees, a tear falls, a song hits just right, and we say, I am done. I'm done with this sin. I'm done with whatever's holding me in bondage. I'm done with this relationship that's taken hold of me, and I am following Jesus wherever he goes. And it's good. It's a, it's a noble thing. It's not even for people to see. It's, it's personal. It's Jesus. I'm following you wherever you go. He's the go-getter. He's confident. There's so many characters like this in the Bible. Peter is such a good example. He tells Jesus, Jesus, I will follow you to, till death. I will follow you where you go to die. And Jesus ultimately says, you can't go where I'm going. You can't do what I'm about to do. So what is Jesus' answer for this go-getter? He looks at him and he says, 
Can you bring up the next slide? There's no guarantee. He looks at this kid and he says, foxes sleep, birds sleep, they can have holes, they have nests, they know where to go, they know where to feel calm, but not you. You will have nowhere to lay your head. And I th- everyone's sitting there like, I thought he was going to tell us, like, we need to rest. We're wanderers. What are we doing? And Jesus looks at this kid and he says, following me is wandering. That's what we do. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Following Jesus is about wandering. It's about not knowing what's next. And Mike talked a little bit week one of this series about certainty. And I remember when he said he loved certainty, the room was like, <gasps> I mean, if there's one thing that we need, In 2020, regardless, COVID, whatever it is, is certainty. And Jesus looks at this kid and he says, I don't have any for you. I have no certainty in following me. You might think that following me is going to be safer or you're going to have more peace or you're going to have easier life, more money, more relationships, better time. And he says, I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that you're going to have somewhere safe to be all the time. And it, it, it hurts because we love certainty and we crave certainty. And Jesus is, what we're getting here in this point, and all three of these people will kind of have the same point, spoiler alert, Jesus is saying, I am the certainty. That's what Jesus is telling this kid. Hebrews 13 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And guess what? That's about the only certain thing that's ever stepped foot on this earth is Jesus. So let's keep reading the second person, verse 59. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So just a quick Bible nerd context thing. This uh, story kind of seems like Jesus is talking to three unsaved people that he wants to have a salvation experience with them and saying, hey, choose to follow me, accept my forgiveness, what I did on the cross and the grave. But this kid calls him Lord. He says, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. So, I mean, I don't think I can take a stance either way of are these people saved or unsaved who he's talking to. But this kid in particular, maybe a young Jewish boy or maybe a, I mean, it says, it doesn't even say boy. It says it could be a girl we don't know if they're saved. Just put yourself in the shoes of this person. If you're, if you're a Christian tonight, if you follow Jesus, put yourself in the shoes of this person. We go up to Jesus, and, or Jesus comes to us and says, follow me. But I said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That's weird. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So I don't, this is very weird verse, but I don't think the kid has a dead dad just sitting right behind him. And he's like, hey, my dad's dead right behind me. Can I go bury him real quick and then I'll come back? Like, that's just too weird and inconvenient. What this kid is saying is, hey, I have to go make sure that my family's in order and everything's put to rest and then I'll come. And so the second person is the, I'm almost ready. I'm almost ready to follow you, Jesus. And man, this is us. This was me. This was me, 15, 16, 17 years old, Jesus, I'm, I'm so close. I mean, I just, one more thing and then I'll follow you. Or we are saved and it's one more thing and then I'll give you all of me. I'll give you 99%. I'll give you almost all of me. I, I mean, I'll come to church. I'll read my Bible. You can have this, but you can't, you can't have that one thing. I mean, that's, that's, I need that. Or I can't tell anybody about that. I mean, I need that thing. 
And so this kid is reconciling. He needs to go home and make sure everything's in order before he goes and leaves with Jesus. And I mean, the next four or five verses, we'll get into it, but Jesus challenges the idea of family so bad in these next couple verses that it is, it's, it's so challenging to me to read what he's talking about family. This kid is noble. I mean, all of these three people that want to follow Jesus have good reasons that they have to settle first. It's not like they're like, hey, let me just get over my drug addiction and then I'll come follow you. Or, hey, let me just, uh, uh, once I stop sleeping around this person, then I'll come. Like, these are noble people. They're, they want to do noble things. And it seems like Jesus is so harsh in these moments. He says, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So what Jesus answers here is what's coming is greater than what's here. We have to constantly remind ourselves this. Telling this to a group of 20-something-year-olds is almost impossible to tell you that something greater is coming than what is here. Because if you're like me, this is how I view the past, present, and the future. The past was awesome. It was fun. It was easy. It was no good. The present sucks. Everything about right now is the worst. I'm never content. I'm never happy. And the future gives me anxiety. The past was awesome. It was easy. The present sucks. And the future gives me anxiety. And he is saying, you have to look forward. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God that's coming. That's what he tells this kid. And the kid's looking back, and he's like, no, but my family. I have to make sure that my, my family's in order. I have to bury my dad. I have to perform his funeral. I have to make sure everything's in order. And Jesus is like, no, we have to go that way. We have to go that way. And so many times, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so close. Just give me just five, six more months to get something in, in order, and then I'll come. Let me get a job that's stable, and then I'll come follow you. Let me get some money, put it in the bank, and then I'll come follow you. Let me hang out with this group of friends just until we graduate, and then I'll come follow you. I'm coming one day. I'll get there. And he's saying, no, we got to go now. We have to go today. He looks at this kid, and he's like, I mean, I don't think Jesus is just straight-faced mad, and he's like, no, let the dead bury their dead. He looks at this kid, and he's like, I know you want to go back. I know that your family's back there. I know that your, your past is back there, and I know that safety and security is back there, but we got to go this way. We have to go. There's people who are dying. They're going to hell. There's people who need the gospel. There's people who need mercy. There's people who need our help. We have to go that way. And Jesus tells him what's coming is greater than what's here. And the kid says, I'm almost ready. Are you almost ready to follow Christ tonight? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and someone has told you about Jesus, you know who he is, you know what he's done for you, but you're saying, man, just, I just want to think about it a little bit more. And Jesus, I pray that he's tapping on your heart right now to say, no, we got to go this way. I love you so much. It's time to go this way. I died for you. I rose from the grave for you. It's time to go this way. And if you are a follower of Christ, but it's been a long time since he's had all of you. It's been a really long time since he's had your desire, your motivation, your trust, your faith. I pray that he's tapping on your heart right now saying, Luke, we got to go this way. I pray that we'd be ready. The last guy, verse 61. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So just something funny real quick. When he says puts his hand to the plow, uh, I think he's talking about like gardening. And I don't know if anyone knows what a rototiller is, but a rototiller is like this. It's kind of like a push lawnmower and it like 
tills up the dirt and you kind of walk it. And it's got these crazy levers. I mean, I don't even know how to work it at all. But I have a big garden at my house. And, uh, well, it's my dad's, but I have to help him with it. And uh, it's got all these crazy levers, and one of them goes crazy fast, and the other one goes stupid slow, and like, if you go up, it's like, and it just like tears up all this dirt. And so one time, you had to like row to till in between, I don't know, I should have my dad come and explain. But one time I was using it, and uh, I hit the fast button on accident, and it just swerving and just chopped up like four of these, uh, like pepper plants, I think they were. And my dad's garden is like his firstborn, like it's his garden. And I just chopped these suckers up. And so what I did was I took them and I threw them over our hill and I like laid the dirt flat and I had two options. One, I could try to make my dad think that he's crazy and say that he never planted them. Or two, uh, I could just come clean. And so he came out and he saw them and uh, he was like, what happened to these four pepper plants? He like called them by their like Latin name. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know, dude. They're yellow. And uh, I, I just spurred the moment. I chose option three. I was like, yeah, they were dying, dude. So I just ripped them up. You're welcome. He was like, he was like, what do you mean they were dying? Like, I just planted them two days ago. I was like, there was beetles all in them. Like, it, they were going to kill the other plants. I read online that if you don't get those out of there, like, you got to get them out of there. He was like, oh, thanks, dude. And uh, I went to undergrad for biology. And, like, I, I didn't learn anything. Like, I got a degree in biology. I don't even know what photosynthesis is. But uh, I just remember telling people, like, dude, I have a biology degree. Like, they said if they have these round-shaped holes, and it's going to kill the plant. He was like, dude, thank you. I was like, you're welcome. So, Dad, please don't listen to this. I didn't mean to do that. But uh, that's just a funny story. I saw Plow, and I was like, I have to share that. But so the last guy, guy number three, the kid. He's just a kid. This is the person that everyone in this room can resonate with entirely. This is the most simple request that someone has ever made to God in their life. I mean, he looks at Jesus wholeheartedly, says, Jesus, I will follow you. I literally just have to go home and tell my mom. I just have to go home and tell her I'm peacing out. I'm going to pack a bag and I'll be here in five minutes. And Jesus I, I, doesn't even comprehend in my mind tells this kid no. He says, no, you can't say farewell to your parents. You can't say goodbye. You have to come. And this is what I was talking about, about challenging the idea of family. And in my own life, and I'm sure some of you have taken one of these extreme um, examples of family. One, you're all in family all the time. Blood is the thickest thing that, I mean, thicker than syrup. It is the end all be all. Be all. If anyone touch your family, you're going to kill them and you would lay on train tracks for anyone that shares the same last name as you. And I've been there at times in my life. Or I've been all the way over here where I'm like, yeah, I have like two or three brothers. I don't know. Like, what? yeah, they're cool, but I don't know. Nah. Like, what about your mom? Yeah, she's like, I don't even know what she does for a living. She's all right. Like, and you act like, or we, maybe you are uh, just really not a fan of your family, if you're honest with yourself tonight. Your family drives you insane. Uh, and maybe this area of your life is, uh, I mean, like you would understand if you told me your story, you would say, Luke, you don't know my family. Like they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve what I have. Or all the way over here, if you're all about family all the time, it's for a good reason. You come from a, a godly home, a great home. You had great parents. You had a good upbringing. And I just want to challenge both of those sides real quick. This side first, the side of I'm um, just not about family, not for me, because I have been there more times than not. 
My family is rude. My family doesn't care about me. My family doesn't know anything about me. So to heck with them. I'm going to make my own family. I'm going to go my own way, and they'll remember me later in life. And I just want to challenge you real quick. And I was reading uh, this in the summer, and I mean, I don't know if you guys have moments with God where God's just like, yeah, I told you. And I'm like, dang. But I was reading uh, just the crucifixion story. It might have been during Easter. And Jesus is hanging on a cross, and he says uh, a few statements while he's hanging on the cross. And one of them's really weird. Uh, One of them is like, why did he say that? But the more and more you learn about it, it's interesting. He's hanging on a cross, and he looks down at his mom, and he looks down at his best friend, John. And um, he's hanging there. He's probably naked. He's going to die. He can't breathe. Uh, and he looks at John, and he says, hey, will you take care of my mom? While he's hanging for the sins of humanity, he says, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And it said from that day forward, she went and lived with John in his home. He was hanging on the cross thinking about me, thinking about my sin, thinking about your sin, thinking about conquering death. And he pauses, and he says, Will you take care of my mom while I'm gone? And it just shocks me to my core that the creator of the universe dying on wood, a wooden tree is thinking about his family. So if you're in here tonight and you rolled in with a big baggage of family, skeletons in your closet about family, I challenge you to reconsider. I challenge you to make steps towards having a relationship with your family, to loving your family, and to, to praying for your family. All right. So let's go all the way over here to the, you got your last name on the back of your shirt rolled in here, uh, family or die. This is probably the most challenging part for, for people like you or me who are loving family, this kid. I call him the kid because he just loves his family. He just wants to go home and say goodbye to his family. Jesus, I will follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said no. No one who puts the hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Jesus' answer to the kid is, am I enough? Jesus asks this kid, am I enough? Can I replace your family? And like I said, Jesus loves family. He created family. He was thinking about his family when he was dying. But sometimes he wants to know, am I more important than your family? Would you put me in front of your family? Would you put your family on the altar, so to speak? Would you give up your family to follow Christ? And as hard as that may seem, as hard as that sounds, I do believe that Jesus will ask individuals to do that. I don't think Jesus is asking all of us to throw our family in the trash and go follow him, but I do believe that if Jesus is asking this kid specifically, this certain kid No, you can't say farewell. You have to come to me. Is Jesus enough for you? And he uses family as an example, and we've talked enough about family, but would you fill in the blank of what this is for you? Jesus, I'm ready to follow you, but I gotta go. One more thing, real quick, one more thing. It's kind of similar to the the second person, but not as as deep-rooted. It's really just small. Because the last guy was like, I have to take care of my family. I have to bury my father, this tradition. But this last one is just something small. What's that one small thing that Jesus doesn't have in your life? What's that one small thing that's just a notch above Jesus? You love Jesus. He's your Savior. He saved you from your sins, but he's not one. He's not number one. What is it? I don't know. For me, I've been thinking all week, is Jesus enough for me? What in my life would I not put on the altar for Christ. 
What would I not put on the altar for him? Is he enough for me? Just him. Mike taught uh, like a year ago and he was talking about heaven and he said something that, I mean, it's just food for thought. It's really nothing. But he said, if heaven wasn't even a thing, is Jesus enough for you? And I think about that all the time. Is Jesus enough right now in December? Is he enough for me? Not a future version of him, not a future version of me being a Christian, not a better church, a better small group, a better job, but just him. Is he enough? And that's kind of just how I want to end tonight is just to challenge Thrive or challenge you guys, challenge myself to have a mindset of Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. And some of you might be thinking, what does this have to do with wandering? I thought he was going to tell us how to have, have rest. Stop wandering. Stop wondering so much. Stop having anxiety. And this is all I really have. Jesus plus nothing. Sometimes, uh, I wouldn't say sometimes, I'd say a lot of times, I get in a bad mood and I don't even know why. You ever get like that? I just don't know why. And so I go, okay, I know what's wrong. I'm hungry. And so I eat and 10 minutes later, I'm still kind of in a bad mood. And I'm like, I'm tired. Duh. So then you take a nap and you wake up and you're still kind of in a bad mood. And we rack our brains to figure out, what is it? Why am I in this bad mood? Why, I just feel like gray. I feel sad. I feel depressed. I don't know what it is. And so we have all of these awesome words that we fill in the blank with. We go, oh, I'm just anxious. No, I'm really not anxious. I feel good. Like, I'm just depressed. Well, I'm not really depressed. I don't know what it is. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. Something in my life I'm afraid of. No, I don't know. Then we, yeah, it's this. And then some pastor tells us, all your, all your problems are rooted in pride. And you're like, that's what it is. I'm anxious and depressed and fearful because I'm prideful. And you go, no, I don't think it's that. It doesn't really make sense. Maybe I'm just nervous. It's really not a big deal. And then we shrug it off and we go, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then we go, no, I'm not fine. I'm actually in a bad mood. I don't know what this is. It's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not reading my Bible enough. And so we read a little bit and... Then we kind of start it all over again, and we go, dang, I'm just tired. I think I'm going to fall asleep again. And we're constantly in this loop of trying to figure out, what is wrong with me? Why am I feeling like this? Why am I tired? Why am I joyless? Why am I sad? Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? All of these words, and they're all true. We all feel like all of those things. But then I look at this phrase, and I'm thinking, Jesus plus nothing. And I'm thinking, man, I think I'm feeling this stuff because I don't fit here. I don't fit here on earth. This is not my home. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be with Jesus. I'm supposed to be Jesus plus nothing. And so I just want to encourage you, as as discouraging as this sermon may have felt or as this passage may have felt, I want to encourage you by just telling you as Christians, man, we're not home yet. And what you're feeling and this longing in your heart of, man, what is this? Is this sadness? Is this depression? Is this anxiety? No, it's because you don't fit here. We belong in heaven. We belong in home with our creator, with Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. And so as we wrap up this series on wandering, I want to discourage you a little bit by telling you, you might feel like that forever. We are wanderers here on earth until we're home. But let me encourage you by saying, we are going to be home one day. Jesus left, he ascended into heaven, and he said, I will return. I will be back. I'm coming for you. 
Man, if you don't have a place in heaven tonight and you don't know that that's where we're going, I encourage you to, to think about it, to pray about it, and to ask God, man, I want to have a relationship with you. And if you are saved, and I know Mike's made this joke so many times of like an eternal mindset, but just close your eyes and think, man, one day I'm going to be with Jesus, and this longing is going to be gone. This insecurity is going to be gone. This anxiety and depression is going to be gone because I'm not home yet, but I am going to get there one day. Let me pray for you guys. Ethan's going to come up and sing one more song. Before I pray, just want to bow your heads and close your eyes and just, I don't know how you guys picture Jesus, but sometimes I close my eyes and I'm like, man, I just want to see him. I just want to picture him. I just want to know him. I miss him so bad, it seems like. I say this sometimes and it sounds weird, but I honestly just want to shake Jesus' hand. I just want to shake his hand and say thank you. Some of you guys might say, I just want to hug him. I just want to give him a hug. I just want to hear what he sounds like. Just want to hear what he laughs like. In John 14, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, and Luke said to him, fill in, fill in the blank of your name. And I said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. God, it seems like so often I feel out of place. I feel misunderstood. I feel nervous. I feel anxious. God, I pray that you would give us peace as wanderers here on earth. God, I know your word says that you will never leave me nor forsake me. God, I pray that you would remind us that all the time. God, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you came down to earth to dwell with us, to be with us, to die for us when you could have just stayed in heaven. God, we wait eagerly for you to return. I pray that Thrive, that all of us in this room would be Christians marked by waiting. We would wait for you, eager, expectant, longing for you. And Jesus, I pray that you would come soon. We love you. And we know that you love us. God, give us strength in this time of wandering. Give us wisdom in this time of wandering. And let us not lose heart while we wait for you.